The New York City Attorney General's office is investigating MoviePass. Was Eric Foreman in a coma for a large portion of that 70s show? And we've got the weekend box office. I'm Connor. This is the Hoopercast Movie Hour. You're damn right, everybody. It's the Hoopercast Movie Hour. It is I, Connor, your reluctant sometimes, but also always eager host. I'm both reluctantly the host and eagerly and obsessively the host of this show. Um, It is possible to exist as both because here I am doing just that. Uh, And that's how it's going to be. I want to talk about some film news tonight. So let's get right into that uh, because we have a lot to not. Well, we don't have a lot to cover. We can cover as much as I want to cover. But um, I would like to cover a few things tonight. Um, Namely, this first story um, that we've got over here at. at, (laughs) Excuse me. um, On uh, AV Club. Uh, although they themselves say that it might be via um, Hollywood Reporter, so you know who go, you know who knows. Um, the article is by William Hughes. It says New York's Attorney General's office is now investigating MoviePass. We've been talking about MoviePass a good bit on the show. Um, gradually scaling back their services more and more as they realize that they just can't offer anything to their customers and stay in business, which super sucks for them. The New York's Attorney General's office has announced it's now investigating the service's parent company over allegations that it might have lied to investors to present itself as more healthy than it actually was. Um, The Hollywood Reporter notes that Helios and Matheson Analytics, which bought MoviePass back in 2017, at the same time the service announced that it was going to start functionally selling movie tickets for way less than they cost to buy, may have an even worse relationship with basic math than we already thought. The company, which is also being sued by its shareholders, has seen its stock market tank twice in the last year as confidence in MoviePass as confidence in MoviePass's buy high, sell low business model has faltered considerably. Per the Hollywood Reporter, the company has lost more than 99% of its value over the last year and a half, which is not to be judgy, a lot of percents to lose. MoviePass users have seen the services functionality dip quite a bit over that same period, like I just said, cutting back from the free lunch of basically unlimited movies to a handful of selected titles every week. Um, so I I don't know what the what the Attorney General's office is really going to get from this investigation. Um, <laughs> it's it, it seemed like you know when, when MoviePass started scaling back their services. It was, it seemed to me to be more of just like a PR nightmare, like more than anything else. It was just kind of embarrassing that, that they couldn't, um, they couldn't keep the company profitable. I don't know that anything criminal has gone on. I mean, they were pretty upfront about every time they cut back the amount of movies per month. I don't know. I, they probably can't, I think they probably come out unscathed from this. I, I would, well, I mean, I don't want to say I hope cause I don't really care that much, but, uh, I guess I hope that it, it it didn't seem like such a big legal deal. Maybe it is. Um, I got to be honest. I thought there was more of that article when I looked it up. So. 
<laughs> if you want to read it, it's on the AV Club. But I pretty much just read the whole thing. So sorry, AV Club. That's what you get for writing a short article that is not easily summarized. Um, I got another story here I wanted to to bring up that might be fun for people who are fans of that 70s show, like I am, and like most of you are, I hope. Maybe you're not. It's a great show. Um, I think it was on from 1998 to, I believe, 2007 on Fox, and it was syndicated on the WB. Um, there was Kids WB, the WB, the WB and the CW, um, you know, towards the, the mid-2000s. Um, but I, I used to I used to VHS record this show. Like when it came on, especially if it was new episodes, I was right in there. I was I'd hit that play record at the same time and have that tape roll all through the half hour. I put a sign on the TV like don't don't touch this TV. I'm recording stuff. I'm recording my 70s show. And then later I just bought the entire series on DVD and watched it all the way through. I think twice, which was I don't think I still have those anymore, but man, I, I really that might have been the first like that might have been the first entire series I've owned on on disc was that 70s show. And I got it for a, a bargain, too. I got, like, all, I think it was eight seasons. I got all eight seasons for, like, like, 50 bucks or something. It was a steal. Anyways, great show. If you haven't watched it, I, is it on Netflix? I should do some homework on that. But, um, I great show. And I would think that a lot of people my age, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 30, uh, have seen the show. It's great. Um, if you don't know what it's about, it's, it's a, it's a, it's pretty much, it's, it's a sitcom. It's, it's a shot on a set and everything, but it's a sitcom set in the, the, you know, mid to late seventies. Um, and it's in the lives of teenagers, uh, going through that time. There's a lot of, uh, seventies pop culture, a lot of historical references, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of teenage angst, but also a lot of like, you know, really, 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 really great character arcs and it really introduced a lot of people to a lot of actors that you probably recognize today like i was you know uh like like i i, I know kurtwood smith playing who plays red foreman I, I i see him in movies now and i'm like oh you're red foreman that guy was the grand wizard of the kkk in time to kill that I just watched recently and I, and I was like oh so heartbroken i was like no red you're kind of like a bad guy but you're not like a bad person you're not like you know a racist kind of a bad guy you're just like a hard ass you know um it introduced people to laura prepon um who you would probably you people probably know more now from orange is the new black than anything um it introduced people to topher grace who probably i look i'm gonna argue is still most well known for that show apart from being eddie brock venom and spider-man 3 a lot of you know audiences know him for that too although again another kkk reference he plays david duke in uh that black that black clansman movie so two actors from that 70 show previously and then went on to play um uh, card carrying racists. So that's good. Who else is racist in that show? Let's let's see if we can build any, build out any more racist characters. I think that's it. Um, it introduced people to, um, to Ashton Kutcher, big, big bright star that came out of the show is Ashton Kutcher and punked and, uh, and, um, also Mila Kunis, a lot of people. And then there's a lot of, you know, great guests by Wildervald Rama, you know, Danny Masterson to a lesser extent as well. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll I, I love the cast of this show. It's a it's a it's it's a it's probably a perfect show. I mean, you've got people leaving. This is not what the story's about at all, you guys. But I'm just gushing on that '70s show real quick. And if Philip, if my brother Philip had been co-hosting this uh, episode, he was not slated to. I'm not blaming him for not being here. But if Philip was here, he would be gushing on the show with me. 
he'd be telling you how much he loves the show, um, how many, how many classic episodes he can remember. Um, it's a, God, it's a great show. People, you know, Gen Xers, people, you know, older folks have like cheers and, and married with children as like, they're like, Oh, that's like their seminal sitcom, you know, or Roseanne or something. My seminal, you know, great American sitcom was that 70s show. You know, I watched this like during my adolescence, this was part of my window into, into what's normal growing up. Um, Oh, it's just a great show. Um, anyways, so if you're a fan of the show, maybe if you don't have a lot of time on your hands, you don't have a girlfriend, you don't have, you know, stuff going on, maybe you develop fan theories. Where's that thing? Forget it. Maybe you develop fan theories. Maybe you don't. Maybe you like the show just as it is. I do. I tend to not uh, question shows very much. Um, certain shows have more subtext than others. I didn't think there was a lot of subtext or um, or meta um, meta subtext in in this show, as uh, the staff over at consequenceofsound.net are suggesting. But there's an article on consequenceofsound.net, and it's it's a fan theory. It's a short video. It's three and a half minutes. You can watch it. Um, you know, at your leisure. But the, the title is Eric is in a coma during much of that 70s show fan theories. Um, so the quick little blurb, um, I, I'll, I'm not going to read it verbatim. I'll summarize it and, and see. So there's one drawback of this video is you've got, I don't like it when videos are like this because it's, it's in black and white and it's suggesting that it's a creepy theory, especially with the way this guy talks. Listen to his voice scene of Eric rocking out as he drives, totally oblivious to a giant twister right behind his car. Okay, Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Giving me nightmares with this <laughs> It's creepy. It's so creepy. Like, I'm, I keep looking over at my door <laughs> where my daughter often stands silently in the middle of the night. So, like, I, I'm already, like, just get the jitters in this house, and so that's not going to help me sleep tonight. Thank you very much, cost staff. Um... It's a, it's, but it's a, it's a neat little theory. It's, it's definitely not the best video essay I've ever seen, but it's, um, it's a fun little theory about, um, the second half of the series being in Eric Foreman's mind, all of it imagined in his mind as he's in a coma. And there's supposedly, there's an episode where it's, it's their prom. Uh, Eric forgets to get Donna from the, from the radio station. So he's driving across town to go get her. And then a tornado is supposed to be rolling through, um, point place, uh, as he's headed to the radio station, it nearly misses him. And, uh, he arrives at the radio station and gets there and everything's fine. Uh, and the, the tornado and then being stuck and confined into the gym is part of the plot. So that's why it's there in the first place. Um, and that Donna thinks that he took a great risk and coming to rescue her. And, and he's like, Oh yeah, of course it did. Heck yeah, man. Cause he's like trying to have sex with her. And then he finds out later, he's like, Oh my God, there was a tornado. Oh my God. I almost died. Like he, I never would have risked my life to come here if I had known there was a tornado, you know? Um, but they point, he, 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 I won't spoil like the clue for you, but like he basically points out this throwaway line from a TV newscaster, um, you know, that you can hear, uh, that as justification for a theory that Eric Foreman was actually killed by the tornado. And that, um, and that everything he, everything past, you know, this shot here of him in his car is just him filling in the gaps in his mind 
um, <laughs> you know, until, uh, until I guess he dies or take off life support or whatever. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's, <laughs> um, you know, towards the end of the series, uh, Ashton Kutcher leaves the show. Kelso leaves the show. And then Eric himself, the main character, uh, leaves the show. He goes off to Africa to like go teach kids or something, which is honestly a little bit out of character for Eric. I gotta say, um, you know, you could say it's part of his arc, but I, I still didn't think of it as like, Oh, it's just like Topher Grace wants to leave the show and do Spider-Man three. And that's, that's fine. Um, but then it was, most people probably know this who are listening. So I'll just get right to it. Um, the final, the series finale, Eric shows up back at his house uh, on New Year's Day, and you know to to come back. He's back from Africa. He comes to Donna. His friends are there. Kelso's there. Everyone's there. And it's a great. It was a great moment for people like me who just wanted to see everyone reunite for the end of the, for the end of the show after what was mostly a terrible season. The eighth seasons really isn't good of that seventy show because they had to. They were forced to make like Fez, like pretty much the main Fez and Jackie, like the two main characters of the of the show. And I just didn't think it worked. It was to me, it was Eric and Donna. That was the romantic arc. That was those are the characters I most wanted to see um, fulfilled, and uh, not not some secondary characters that they linked together in a frankly unrealistic romance. Um, but also good for character arcs because, you know, she's shallow and he's, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but, um, what was I getting at? I'm sorry. I uh, lost my train of thought. You guys, I love the show so much. Um, but the guy, this, this person offers this as, as a justification for like, Oh, Eric comes back at the end, at the end of the show and sees Donna because that's him like coming back and one last time and checking on his friends and making sure that they've all moved on successful, been able to move on in their lives without him. And that now that he's realized that they're doing fine, they've moved on like the show can end, which I guess is supposed to be Eric dying. <laughs> so there's shows like saying elsewhere where they actually end and you find out that all this happened in the snow globe, you know, that's this autistic kids, you know, snow globe. So those are like overtly like meta, you know, twists at the end of a series. This is probably just, he's like, why would the writers include such a line from the newscasters if they, if they didn't want us to believe it, if they didn't want us to think that Eric was dead or in a coma, like, cause just cause it's just a throwaway line. It's just not meant to whatever. Uh, again, fan theories can be fun, but sometimes, sometimes they're just kind of like, Oh, it's a stretch, but I guess they're all kind of a stretch. Um, I wanted to, since we got a little more time, I want to read from this list. I'm just doing what I want tonight, you guys. So I'll put these stories in the time code if you want to just skip ahead. But um, I wanted to include a few things. There's a list on cinema. Cinema. Cin- there is a list on Cinema Blend called Five Things Black Panther 2 Needs to Include. Um. So, yeah, I hate these lists. They're clickbaity. So that's why I'm going to click on it and address them because usually they are not substantive at all. So let's, I'm going to go through the entirety of this article by Matt Wood. Sorry, Matt Wood. I'm reading your whole article, uh, except for the opening blurb, which is just you recapping stuff in writery terms. But basically, um, Black Panther 2, uh, for those of you who don't know, Ryan Coogler is coming back to to write and direct this, the sequel. Marvel would have been really stupid to let him, uh, to let him get away from the sequel. Um, I just watched Fruitvale Station. Love Ryan Coogler. Love Black Panther. Uh, and so I, I obviously want him at the helm of the sequel. Um, 
so there's some stuff that they want Black Panther or that Matt Wood wants thinks that Black Panther 2 needs to include. More gadgets. Wakanda has the most advanced technology on the planet, and we got to see a good amount of it in Black Panther, like holograms, mini EMPs, and flying ships. However, the movie didn't show off very many gadgets for Black Panther. He mostly relied on his kinetic energy blast, which was cool, but you'd think the most technological hero would be packing some variety. In the comics, Black Panther has several gadgets and weapons, such as a pair of energy daggers. From an action perspective, it would be great to see more tools for Black Panther, but it would also help the hero stand out more from the crowd. Apart from his blast, he's just strong and fast, and pretty much everyone in the MCU is strong and fast. Also, I want him to ride around on a motorcycle. <laughs> okay, Matt. Um, I don't think he needs any more gadgets. Um, I mean, obviously one or two new, to- new toys always helps, you know, just advance the character's abilities and keep the, keep action beats more interesting. So I agree on that, on that point. Um, I don't think you need just more gadgets. Black Panther is really interesting as it is. Um, I don't say you should not do anything new with his suit or anything new with his, his gadgets, but like, we don't need him. What I don't want us to do is to fall into like just a bunch of toys because then honestly, he's a little bit too much like Iron Man. Um, although Wakanda has more resources than Stark does. So it's, it's, it'd be more interesting for them to have, for him to have a pair of energy daggers. Um, you know, so I, I, I'll half agree with that, but I'll give you a half a point for that point. Matt Wood. um, not a terrible idea. They just can't go overboard with it. Number two, explore the city of Wakanda. Wakanda is a fascinating location, and Black Panther did a gr- did gr- a great, oh, a great introducing the basics. I found a typo. Hey, Matt Wood, I found a typo in your article. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt Wood. Matt Wood, I found a typo in your article. And Black Panther did a great. I'm, you know what? <laughs> I'm not gonna let this go, because I always like it when when there's glaring spelling and gram- grammatical errors. Um. <laughs> Oh, I zoomed in way too much. Oh, this is going to take a little bit to catch up. Okay. All right, guys. All right. I got it. Oh, God. There it is. Come on. Almost. Wakanda. I'm going to put the mouse right. Oh, I can't see the mouse. I'm going to put this right over, right next to my head here. Wakanda is a fascinating location, and Black Panther did a great introducing the basics of the nation. Did you mean to say a great job, Matt Wood? Because you did a great writing of this article. Sorry, I just corrected the sentence instinctively because it's such a bad typo, such a bad error. And Black Panther and Matt Wood did a great writing this article. (laughs) Great, Matt Wood. We learn about all the different tribes, get a look at some of their customs and its role as an isolated country. Oh, God. Okay. No, no, no. Go. Come back. Oh, Lord. For the sequel, uh, whoops, come on, man. Get it together. For the sequel, it would be great to see more of the nitty-gritty of the day. Part of the reason that Asgard was such a boring location is that none of the movies ever showed it as more than a golden palace where people wear robes all day. Wakanda is really visually distinct, but offering more of a street-level view can give it more dimension. It would be great to see new areas of the city and to understand everyday life for the citizens. What does it actually mean to live in a utopia? I'm sure they'll get to that guy. Relax. Uh, He's right there. I mean, it's always a good idea to explore more of the setting, especially, again, when you have a a location as rich as, uh, as Wakanda, so... 
the effects of Wakanda's coming out. Obviously, you idiot. How do the Wakandans feel about being fully exposed in the world? Duh. I'm scared. I'm not even going to read that one. That's a no-brainer, dude. What do you think after Infinity War, when a bunch of aliens attacked and killed a bunch of their people, you think they're not going to like question T'Challa a little bit at least? God, obviously, a villain with a unique power set. Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan, is a straight-up terrific villain, one of the best of the year. However, his one downside is that he reverts to being an evil version of Black Panther by the end of the movie. A lot of MCU villains have that exact problem, but his intensity and pathos save Killmonger. The sequel can avoid that entirely by selecting a villain who doesn't have the same powers as T'Challa. The movie already used up three of Black Panther's best villains, so a sequel will have to think outside the box when it comes to finding a primary antagonist. Killmonger leaves big shoes to fill, but the sequel villain can get off on the right foot with unique powers. So, a couple thoughts. Um, we already explained this in the Black Panther review, if you want to go look at that on our YouTube page. But um, I'll, I'm going to say this, or, or on iTunes, whatever. Um, I excuse Killmonger for being a dark Black Panther because that's he's trying to he's trying to usurp the throne from him. So one, that's he's choosing to be that for that specific reason. Um, what other? Uh, I I will say this: I thought that Dustin told me. Or someone told me. I believe I thought I heard that that one of the, that the original villain, maybe or a or a villain that was considered for Black Panther was going to be Craven the Hunter. Uh, you know, who's a, a Spider Man, mainly a Spider Man villain. But I remember when I heard that, thinking I've been asking for a Craven the Hunter, you know, role in a comic book movie for. Ever since, ever since, I didn't even know he was a, a a character until I played the Spider-Man Two, the video game, and then Craven. I think Craven's like one of the yeah one of the bosses in that, one of the villains you have to fight. Um, I, and I, and I think he's strong also, so he has like a little bit of supernatural, you know, aided strength. But he's also extremely cunning and sets lots of traps and has lots of gadgets of his own. But you know, a lot more I think analog than. Than uh than than Black Panther's uh, suit, um I think Craven uh, this so I'm I'm throwing this out there yeah I agree with you Matt Wood uh with a unique power set again not not that unique but I think people would respond a lot more to just a you know kind of a supered up hunter um especially in Africa where Craven it already makes sense for Craven to be operating in Africa to a large extent just because of his that's his whole thing he's like a big game hunter. Um, also a thief and stuff too. Um, I, I vote Craven the Hunter. That's what, that's what I want for Black Panther 2. Black Panther 2, I want, I think it needs to include Craven the Hunter. Um, is this it? I think this is the last point. Bigger roles for the supporting cast. Okay. He's talking about all the women. He's talking about Okoye, Shuri, and Nakia. Um, there's no doubt that the characters like Shuri and Okoye managed to leave big impressions and it's only natural that the sequel boosts their roles. People really enjoy these characters, so give them more of what they want. So I just fell into a trap. Um, this is a nothing article that Matt Wood has written. It's a bunch of stuff that's a bunch. It's it's a whole lot of yeah, no shit, no doy. Obviously, it a, a sequel needs all these elements to be compelling. Obviously. Um. Anyway, I, he's right. 
I'm a little mad that I just spent 20 minutes on this, <laughs> but I like thinking about these movies and, um, you know, Matt's kind of right. I don't think we need to go overboard with some of these points. I mean, I, it's still a supporting cast and I'm sure there's gonna be more for Nakia in the next film. Um, Lupita Nyong'o's character, um, and obviously Shuri as well, because uh, I mean we have we still have yet to explore Avengers four. We don't even know what the fallout of that movie is yet. That's going to really color what we think of the next Black Panther. So let's so, slow our roll a little bit. But I, I agree with him. But I think the biggest takeaway for me in this is I I really I don't know what villain they're going to pick. There's they might pick up one or two villains that I you know that I have never heard of, and I will like them as soon as they cast them and I'll realize, Oh, excuse me. And I'll realize like, Oh, that's perfect. But of course I didn't know this character before that's happened with a lot of these Marvel movies. I didn't know who Killmonger was or Ironmonger. I just realized they had the same, <laughs> almost the same name monger. Um, but I, I, I do, I want Craven the Hunter and I would want him in a Spider-Man film, but he works just fine in a black Panther movie. And that's, there might be a great, time to sort of like introduce that villain maybe he survives the film maybe he goes and gives spider-man hell after he gives black panther hell no reason he can't do that makes sense to me uh anyway all right where are we out of time 25 um we're okay to do this one another story here um this is this is a this is a you know iffy story i don't usually do a lot of like oh i do do some social commentary who who am I kidding? This is on fatherly.com. The title is, um, this is by Raz Robinson. Title is Kira Knightley won't let her daughter watch the little mermaid or Cinderella. During a recent interview on the Ellen DeGeneres show, Kira Knightley explained that while she loves certain Disney princesses, there's no way that she'd let her three-year-old daughter watch some of their movies. Um, uh, Knightley says a few Disney classics actually reinforce a handful of harmful gender norms that she's certain won't send her toddler the right message. Cinderella banned, Knightley said, because, you know, she waits around for a rich guy to rescue her. Don't rescue yourself, obviously. It's been a while since I've seen Cinderella. I don't remember that much of it. I don't, you know what? I don't even think I've seen Cinderella. Yeah, which round for Rich God Rescuer? Um, okay. S- article continues. Still, when it comes to the little, the little Mermaid, Knightley is a bit more conflicted, but says she's keeping it. She's keeping to it, meaning it, meaning the ban. This is the one that I'm quite annoyed about because I really like the film, but the Little Mermaid. I mean, the songs are great, but do not give up your voice for a man. Hello. Um, okay, so a little bit of this, this is probably virtue signaling. I'm sure it's true, but when you go on a talk show, what what they do is you sit down in the back with a segment producer, and the segment producer pretty much asks, they pretty much pre-build the interview for you. They go, okay, so what's been going on lately? Anything interesting? And you'll tell them, like, here's what's going on in my life, or I thought I'd talk about this, and blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, okay, okay, that's good. No, that's not good. Okay, then what else you got? And then they basically sort of, you sort of like pre-agree on the topic you're going to bring up. And so then they go tell Ellen about it. So Ellen knows what to ask you about. And then you know what you're going to talk about and how much time you have and blah, blah, blah. So there's a little bit of talk shows that are pretty canned. 
now they're, they're not really pre-produced like that no one told you what to say you know but you just you agree beforehand what you're going to talk about so it's always popular especially with with a host like ellen degeneres to just go up there and say something really progressive it's fine it's her show Kieran, it's free country we can say whatever we want it's fine um so and I'm and I, I'm 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 sure that Karen Knightley actually believes these things too. I'm not saying she's virtue signaling, you know, like disingenuously. Um, I just think it's popular to say, uh, first of all, to call out Disney in particular. It, it's it's remains a popular thing to do because they're a large, powerful corporation that makes millions of children around the world happy with their films. Um, as the father of a four, almost five year old. I will inject my two cents here. Now, you might not want to listen to me because I'm just a white man, but I'm not talking as just a white guy. I'm talking as the father to a daughter. Um, why don't you let your kid decide if they like the film or not? Why don't you just show them the movie and wait and see if they model their behavior off of it? You know, I mean... Some of these, I, I hear people sometimes talking about how, like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't impose your values on your kids. Number one, yes, you should. That's your job. <laughs> you raised your kids. It's such a stupid notion. You shouldn't impose, like, your religion on your kids. You shouldn't impose, like, your likes and dislikes on your kids. You should, it's like, well, yeah, you shouldn't tell them what to like or dislike. Um, I mean, because they might have a different personality than you. Or maybe you need some therapy. And in 20 years, you realize that, that the way you behave is sort of stupid and you were glad you didn't impose that on your kids and tell them that, um, that they should drink, uh, you know, bourbon at breakfast. Like, as, like you might've thought when you were 24, like obviously there are things within you that you might have to fix about yourself before you parent a kid. So yes, I wouldn't pontificate too much to your children because they're not going to listen to you if you just tell them what to do. Um, you gotta just sort of wait and see what they do. And then course correct as you go along. Um, you know, my son, my son, my, my kids, my kids kind of, you know, they're, they're young. They hit each other. My son's a two, almost three-year-old boy. Um, I, kids hit and you, you don't scream at them when they're four months old and say, don't you hit anybody. You got to just wait till it happens and then go, uh-uh, and don't encourage it. You know, whatever. The point of all this is to say, Karen Knightley is well within her right to tell her her three year old daughter what kind of movies, you know, what to, what message to take from movies. Um, but for God's sake, uh, it's when they're three years old, they're not thinking about stuff like that, you know. And if they are, you gotta just wait till they do it. I, I at least that's that's what I I that's my two cents on it is when my daughter watched uh, what was it. There's some princess movies. I mean, like we watched a lot of Moana in my house, a lot of Tangled. Um, um, she's probably seen Cinderella. I don't think, think my I don't think my daughter's seen Cinderella or The Little Mermaid. But she knows enough about The Little Mermaid to be interested in it, and I guarantee you, she's not going to watch it and think, "Oh, I should, I should, I should give up my right to speak so, just so I can marry a handsome prince." I just my daughter doesn't think that way. And here's the reason. Number one, my daughter would never think that way. That's not how I treat my wife. Like I don't treat my wife in the way that like my wife works. My wife 
my wife cooks clean like my wife contributes significantly to our household my wife is not just my ward who does my bidding for far from it my god (laughs) most people would tell you my wife wears the pants in my marriage we both wear the pants we share the pants of course we have a four-legged pair of pants that we shave that we share i almost said we shave we don't shave this pair of pants it's a metaphorical pair of pants by that i mean to say kids more than anything more than movies for some of us, I picked up a fair amount from movies, but most kids pick up their, the norms, what's normal for them on their parents, based on what their parents do, based on their actions. They, you're supposed to be an example to your kids more than tell them what to do or not to do. They're supposed to look at the way you live and, and they're judging whether or not it's working out for you. And that's how they decide whether or not they want to be like you going back to the bourbon at breakfast thing. You know, kids look at that and they go, oh, or, you know, when they're 15 or so, I guess they'll go, oh man, that's kind of cool. Man, my dad has bourbon at breakfast. He doesn't give a damn. And then they might go, yeah, well, he's also keeps losing. He can't hold a job down. He's always thrown up. He lost it. He got a DUI. He has to go to court all the time. Maybe I won't do that. That seems like it has a negative impact on life to, to drink in the morning. Okay. I won't do that. Thanks, dad. <clears throat> they model behavior. They, they don't need to be told, <laughs> don't be an alcoholic. They, they've already ha- have an example of what, what it, what it could mean to be that. So the point I'm, I'm blowing this up a lot. So uh, this is why this show is just for me because people are tu- tuned out, you know, many, many minutes ago. I'm just saying, I, I'm not concerned of, perceived harmful gender norms in Disney films for my daughter to be honest like uh, I'll wait until she tells me like oh I can't wait to meet a handsome you know it must have my daughter will might pretend it's a handsome prince she doesn't even do that though she just like builds stuff she builds little houses and roads and stuff and likes to draw and likes to read and it's okay if she were to come around and pretend, oh, I married my handsome Prince Eric, whatever she's going to say. That's fine with me. Now, if she goes through, if she starts to go through her adolescence and, and is, you know, obsessed with boys instead of like, you know, in lieu of learning or personal success, I will then go, okay, you realize that this is not a, a, no, a healthy pursuit to pursue boys over all else, right? One, try telling that to a teenager. But two, like, I just feel like this is common sense. This is why I'm pontificating so much about this. I feel like this is common sense. I feel like you just sort of wait and see what kids do. And then you, and then you course correct. It doesn't have much to do with the movies they watch. I'm much more concerned with movies. (laughs) I'm much more concerned about, about action movies where people jump through windows and they don't even have any cuts on them. Because I, 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 I punched a window when I was a kid. I was angry. I punched a window. Okay. Now I did not get hurt. I don't think I got even got cut. I was kind of lucky, but I, I, but part of that was because I watched a bunch of movies where like windows can't hurt you. You can jump through glass windows at a two story building as, as the building explodes, land on the ground. Nothing's wrong. That's more harmful to me, in my opinion, than, 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 you know, princesses wanting to marry princes in Disney films that kids might see. I don't want kids and especially teenage boys to look at the physics in action movies and go, Oh, 
that, that that's probably part of why teenage boys are so risky with their behavior and put their put their safety at risk all the time. I watched Jackass when I was a teenager. What do you think I was doing in those years? I wasn't doing like horribly, you know, dangerous stunts, but it was a whole lot of like, you know, reckless behavior. It wasn't helped. That's a lot more harmful <laughs> than uh, than Cinderella. So um, Keira Knightley is free to do as she pleases. I just think it's a non-issue, although I spoke about it for 10 minutes. So maybe I think it's an issue issue. You know what else is an issue issue? The box office, man. Um, so we didn't do the quick pick on Monday. So I'm going to talk about the box office here for the rest of the show. And then I think we'll get on out of here. Um, but I just want to bring, uh, bring this to your attention. So I don't, I didn't have a, a box office. I think I did have a box office prediction. I did. Did I leave it over here? I totally did. Um, is this, I can't tell. No, yeah, it is. Okay, good. There it is. All right. So I did have predictions for the box office. So last weekend on October 5th through 7th, the box office looked like, Oh, this where's my where's my there it is there's the box office whoa no 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 you come back here just oh my god this is stupid come on box office mojo all right so this was the box office last weekend venom debuted at number one 80 million dollars star was born debuted at number two 42 almost 43 million dollars Smallfoot fell to the number three spot on its second weekend 14 million dollars so I predicted that the box office would open, I think I said, First Man would take the number one spot, A Star Is Born would remain at number two, but Venom would fall to number three. That's my That was my prediction. So was I right? Let's have a look. And I was wrong. Uh, I, <laughs> one out of three. Venom hangs on to the number one spot with $35 million. It's still a 56% drop. Um, but it's still the number one spot. So, you know, good for them. Uh, Star is Born, hanging on to number two, a strong number, two, you know, 33% drop, but $28 million. Yeah, there you go. And uh, First Man debuts at number three. That's a lot less than I thought. It barely beat Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween. And, and we knew that would happen. Bad Times at El Royale debuted at number seven. I can't believe I thought for a second that that would be a number a top three player. I, I thought for a second. Um, yeah. So that brings a total gross for A Star Is Born up to ninety four million dollars, which is really good for a thirty six million dollar film. So good for Bradley Cooper. He's produced a profitable film. That's really good news for his relationship with Warner Brothers. Um, it's great news. Just it's great news for him as a director, but and for Lady Gaga and himself. And this that film's gonna get so much Oscar buzz. It's gonna be nuts. Total gross for Venom is up to 142 million dollars. The budget's 100 million. Uh, what's the what's the international gross on Venom? I want to see if it's okay. Worldwide gross, 385 million dollars. I that's a profitable movie. That's profitable sucks because i think you know just especially based on what i'm hearing about the movie i don't i don't think we want more of these from sony but we'll probably we're probably going to get them so sony of course will continue to exist with uh brimming with false confidence as always what are you gonna do okay next weekend what do we think what's gonna bump some of these things out of the uh of the box office do we know i don't think we do so let's check let's find out i want to look at fandango 
and see what we got going on uh, opening in theaters this weekend. Yeah, most principally, you have uh, The Old Man and the Gun, this Robert Redford film, is Robert Redford's last film. Uh, so that's opening, uh, well, it says Friday, September 28th. I guess it's opening in wide release. Um, I guess it's opening in wide release this weekend, although it says it, it says it was released September 28th. So anyway, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, directed by David Lowry, starring Robert Redford, Casey Affleck, Sissy Spacek, Danny Glover, Tom Waits, Ah, oh, Tom Waits. Oh. Tika Sumter, Ari Elizabeth Johnson, Tegan Johnson, Tegan Johnson, and a few other actors. Um. So the uh, plot: Forrest Tucker, that's Robert Redford, escapes from San Quentin and embarks on a string of heists that confound authorities. Sweet. So he's like an old thief. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. I want to see a trailer for this. I'm curious. I'm going to take this off the screen so you can't see it. Excuse me. I'd like to open up an account. Well, great. What type of account do you have in mind? This kind. This kind. Hey, excuse me. Need some help? No, I'm good. Let me take a look. You know anything about cars? Uh, no, not really. Old guy with a gun. That's just kind of a funny story. You think you can catch him? I won't lie, I'd love to slap the cuffs on him myself. So I hope I get the chance. If I ever wonder what I'm doing or where I'm going, I just think of myself as that little kid I was. Now, would he have been proud of me? So is he proud of you, that little boy? Oh, he's getting closer every day. Man, I like that. That looks good. I like Robert Redford. He's he's always charming. Um, I you know I, he said this is his last film, and then he's then he's retiring. Uh, so it's actually a really really cool send off. I think for do we have to watch these? Can we stop this? Lately, I think I've noticed my TV. Is stop! Like- Shut up! Shut up. What are you doing? What are you doing? Incredible Stop it. Shut up. As big Shut as up. Big. Stop. Normally, I hate these like, oh, old people doing young people things. Feeling young again. I, I Usually, I'm like, oh, stop. I don't think that's going to be a box office contender, but uh, I, it's a film I want to see. So, I'll definitely be keeping my eye out uh, for that. What else is opening this weekend? The Hate You Give. I think I talked about that the other week. I, that's already opened. So is it again? Is it just a wide release thing? All right. So the big contender this weekend is Halloween. Um, the the actual sequel to the original um, Halloween film. Not any of these Halloween HGO, H2O, no Rob Zombie, nothing. That's this is the one. This is an 87 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Cast and crew: Director David Gordon Green. You might remember him from Pineapple Express. Is that what he did he directed? Pineapple Express. I think he also directed. Super bad. First horror film, I believe. Stars Jamie Lee Curtis reprising her role as Laurie Strode, Judy Greer as her daughter Karen Strode, Andy Matichak, Will Patton, Virginia Gardner, Nick Castle Jr., Miles Robbins, Tony, Toby Huss. Hey, Toby. Um, Hulk Bill Jinder. Those, those, those people. Anyway, people. 
starting some people. Synopsis, Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. Um, take a look at the trailer, because why the hell not? 40 years ago, on Halloween night, Michael Myers murdered three people. After that horrific night, he was sent back to the institution in captivity. So there's that. So yeah, basically Laurie Strode has become a, a, a almost uh, has become obsessed and has really trained herself to be ready for Michael Myers and is uh, ready to kill him. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm not that interested in the Halloween franchise. I personally haven't heard good things about this film, but it has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. So maybe most people like it. So the idea seems kind of cool. I like the idea of Jamie Lee Curtis coming back and, and sort of taking her life back um, for Michael Myers. Just question is, can she defeat a seemingly uh, invincible, <laughs> immortal um, murderer? Um, who knows? Um, all right, so which one do I think is going to affect the box office? So I think Halloween's the only realistic player in the box office. Um, it's not going to take over Venom, though. I don't, well, you know what? Yes, it will. Yes, it will. That's a stupid thing to say. Of course it will. I made this mistake with uh, with the last horror film. I will not again. Um, I think I think Halloween opens at number one. I think A Star Is Born stays at number two. And I think Venom takes number three. That's my uh, that's my my prediction. Let's let's go ahead and write that down. Let's. I think number one, Halloween two, A Star Is Born, and three will be Venom. Michael Myers will kick that symbiote right barely to the edge of the top three, but it's gonna keep it's gonna keep it there. Alright, that's the show, guys. That's it tonight. That's it. That's all we're gonna do. Thanks for listening. Um oh damn. Okay, hold on. Don't go yet. I have some ad copy to read. I would like you to sit here and listen to it while I, I tell you about Letterboxd. Would you do that for me, please? That'd be great. Let's talk about Letterboxd. This episode of the Hoopercast is sponsored by Letterboxd, brought to you by Letterboxd. Not really sponsored. We don't get any money. So uh, what am I doing this for? I'm not really sure, but I'm going to keep going with it. Right now, listeners of our show have the chance to win a free one-year pro account upgrade on Letterboxd. For those of you who don't know, Letterboxd is a social network for film lovers that allows you to track, rate, and review the films you watch. You can follow other members to get recommendations. You can publish lists of films like your top 10 for the year and a lot more. Letterbox is free to use. There's no subscription fee, but a pro account is going to provide you with additional features such as a customized summary of your past year's viewing. If you already have a pro account, then you get a year extension free, so stop complaining. If you want to enter, all you have to do is listen to our show and we will read the code word at random. The code word, by the way, for October is I'm hungry. 
then send us an email right now. Do it as you're listening to this. Send us an email at hoopercast at gmail.com. Enter the code word. If you don't know how to spell hoopercast, you're just a damn idiot because it's all over the place wherever you're listening to us. Enter the code word in the subject line and make sure to include your letterbox username in the email. Yeah, you need a username, dum-dum. If you want a free upgrade or extension, you need to actually register for at letterbox.com. Silly, silly man. Enter that letterbox username in the email so that we know which account to reward. A lot of people emailed us and they just didn't give us any other info. Like, oh, congratulations, you still lose. The winner will be selected during the last show of each month. You can also follow our show on Letterboxd. Just search Supercast. That's letterbox.com. By the way, no one has submitted these. No one has responded to this contest in months. I don't know what the deal is. We used to get submissions all the damn time. Now we get none. I'm telling you this because you're probably guaranteed to win this uh, promotion if you just send the email in. Honestly, guaranteed. No one is no one around you. Cross that finish line first. Slow as you want to. Just hurry up. Come on. Letterbox.com. L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com. Letterbox.com. Letterbox.com. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it, guys. That's the whole show. Go see us on uh, um, Facebook for the live streams the first Wednesday night of the month. Hoopercast.com. Sorry. Facebook.com slash Hoopercast. And, uh, and that's it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for um, thanks for hanging out. And thanks for sticking around. And um, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Be safe. Get out there see some good movies. Mm-hmm.